Who are the picks to know in the never-too-early best ball tournament put on by the FFPC that is going on right now? Who is going to win the conference championship games and get to Super Bowl 57 in a couple of weeks? And how did three guys go back-to-back in the FFPC main event, winning $1.5 million plus in the process. I'm Eric Balkman. Uh, we've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here as well as the back-to-back 2023 FFPC main event and $1 million winners, Don Barani, Nick Costantino, and Sean Stutzman. Don't go anywhere. We've got a great show for you. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts right now. And now, let's stay on the pressure. I've seen greater men Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Welcome in to all you Ferelliacs and Balkaholics. It is the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I, as I already mentioned, am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the conference championship games this weekend. What can you learn from these games that's going to help you uh, become a better drafter in the never-too-early best ball tournament and the never-too-early uh, Superflex best ball tournament going on with the FFPC right now? Uh, Farrell is going to talk about where he is in just a second. He's doing this show remotely, which I really appreciate, and I think all of you will too. Um, we're also going to talk to the back-to-back uh, -to -back champs in the FFPC main event. They won it for $500,000 back in 2022. They won it again this year for $1 million in 2023. We're talking to the Go Bills trio, the Marv Levy trio of uh, Don Barani, uh, Nick uh, Costantino, and Sean Stutzman. They'll be joining us probably in about 10, 15 minutes or so. Tell us how it's done. Tell us what that sweat was like and what we're all wondering what they're going to do with that money. Uh, that is coming up, uh, like I said, in about 10, 15 minutes or so. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, do so. We are at HSF at Bauer. I am at Eric Balkman, of course. Farrell's Kentucky uh, Fantasy Football State Championship is at KFFSC Official and, of course, at KFFSC.com. Make sure you are, you are jumping in to the early drafts going on at KFFSC.com as well as MyFFPC.com. Uh, you can also email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, get them in now. We'll be checking the tweets, the emails, uh, all the questions coming up in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. I want to shout out our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, on his birthday. Happy birthday, Kamish Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob, who makes it all happen. If you guys are looking for some action, or ladies, guys or ladies, uh, if you're looking for some action right now, look no further than myffpc.com. Two big tournaments going on right now. You can start drafting with the FFPC today by jumping in the never-too-early best ball tournament to win $25,000 at just a $125 entry. Remember, that tournament will end before the NFL draft starts, so it is a tight window that you're fitting this in. You basically have about uh, eh, roughly three months or so to get your drafting in on that. Again, $25,000 grand prize. You can also jump in to the never too early super flex best ball tournament that we have going on. First time we've ever offered it a $5,000 grand prize 
just uh, $35 to enter that uh, as well. So make sure you're checking that out over at myffpc.com while you're there. You can feel free to sign up for any of the other best ball drafts we have going on starting at just five bucks there. And uh, plenty of Dynasty Orphans out there as well. Uh, MyFFPC.com slash Dynasty for sale will take you to all uh, the orphans that we have available right now. Plenty of good deals on that. Some reduced prices as well. So make sure you're checking that out. And take your next challenge right now with FFPC Dynasty. Again, never had a league fold. We got well over a 1,000 leagues going on there right now. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You love fantasy football. Why not play it all year round? rather than just during the playing portion of the season with the National Football League. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on this video, share the video, and get notified by clicking that little notification bell so every time we go live, you're going to know what is going on with that. Um, without further ado, I want to bring in uh, my co-host with the most, live from Sin City at the East-West Shrine Game Practices, it is the incomparable Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome in, man. Avaki, how are you on this uh, lovely January evening? I'm doing good. Excited for the football that we're going to see on Sunday, which I know you're looking uh -huh. forward to as well. So now have the East-West Shrine practices, have they already started out in Las Vegas? Uh, the meetings and some of the walkthroughs have started, but the actual full teams on the field begins tomorrow at uh, UNLV. We'll have two practices East and West squads coached by the New England Patriots. Uh, the New England Patriots staff is, is coaching one team, and the Atlanta Falcons is coaching another team. And the first guy that I saw when I got here was Belichick. He stepped right off the uh, elevator and uh, had a nice hello with him. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to meet uh, some of the guys I haven't seen uh, really pre-COVID. What do you have for your guys out there right now that that you're looking to see play or or the action that you're taking in? Well, it would be more fun if I had a client in the game, but I don't. However, there's a lot of business to be done. There's probably half the general managers in the leagues are here, and uh, a good group of uh, of the ancillary scouts uh, from college that I haven't seen in a long time. So uh, while I do have some clients in this year's draft. Uh, they're not here in this game, but I'll be able to learn a lot about them and uh, give some information to the decision makers. So I'm looking for it. And there's value here, uh, Bulky. Uh, I've got all kinds of uh, little things here. I picked you up a East-West Shrine game notebook there, Bulky. Compliments, you know. That, that, and I, I've got some coffee-stained rosters. Gives them a little more validity here. With got some. Uh, I, I've got five players in this game I can tell people to watch. I believe it's on NFL Network next Tuesday. Is it, Bulky? Tuesday? Thursday? I think it's the first. It's the first, right? Yeah, so that'd okay. Be, that'd be Wednesday, I think. I think Wednesday. And, you know, all the scouting people will be gone headed out to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. But uh, um, Tavion Thomas is a running back. This player is on the East roster. Uh, he played at Utah. Kind of reminds me of, um, of Murray kind of a big running back and it'll be interesting to see how he does in the draft and Jalen Cropper is a Fresno State player he's assigned to the East squad so we're not geographically correct here but uh Jalen Cropper uh, is, is expectations of a small school player to to advance in this um on the uh on the West player roster uh Probably the player that I like the best and I'm most interested to see practice tomorrow is a guy named Dallas Daniels who played at uh, Jackson State. Um, uh, Deion Sanders was 
Yeah, big, big promoter of uh, this player. From quarterback talent, uh, Darian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA is here, uh, a multi-talented uh, player. Uh, you know, some of the guys that we have right now um, that will be playing for the last four teams were had a hard time getting started in college and, and putting games together, and that might be this player's M.O., but I think he's going to do pretty well through this selection process. You know, looking at the rosters, too, I mean, you got Mohamed Ibrahim from Minnesota, the stud running back there. He's going to be there, a guy that I'm interested in watching uh, for fantasy purposes, and that's Zay Flowers from Boston College, who is right. who is also on – he is on the West roster. So, yeah, geographically, totally incorrect. I don't get that at all. Um, and then <laughs> Aiden O'Connell. Yes, Aiden O'Connell, the, the quarterback from Purdue, who put up uh, some big numbers this past year. Um, you'll be looking at him, Jaden Hazelwood from Arkansas. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Cropper already, so that and then At Perry from Wake Forest, also on the East roster as well. All, all players I'm interested in to see where they land for fantasy. So, um, listen, you want to fill up that notebook with your scouting reports, and you want to give it to me. I'm not going to say no to that. Um, so, I certainly appreciate any sort of insight, and I know you'll bring the insight to all the listeners and the viewers of this show anyway. Uh, for sure. Let's get into uh, what's going on this weekend uh, as we still got an NFL season to play out here. Um, just three games left. Bittersweet. Um, Chiefs coach Andy Reid said that Patrick Mahomes is not only going to play in the AFC Championship at Arrowhead on Sunday, he will start in that game. Two full practices. Did not see the practice report today. I'm assuming he got in a full practice on Friday. Um, I, incredible stuff here, Farrell, for a guy who has been diagnosed with a high ankle sprain. I am drinking the Kool-Aid. I believe he is going to be – I don't believe he'll be 100%, but I believe he's going to be good enough um, to, to you know, make be the right choice over Chad Henney in this game. What, what sort of limitations do you think he's going to have in this game against the Bengals? Do you believe he's going to be limited? Are the Chiefs playing some mind games with the fans, with the Bengals right now? I don't know. I, I fear that he won't be effective. He does a lot of things to make his team win against good teams. I think back to the last time they played the 49ers and how effective he was in running the ball, especially on third down. Things that he makes happen when it must be done. And, you know, he'll step up to that, but how much abuse can that body take? And, hey, we've talked all season long about what makes a football team and the training staff. We keep talking about it. This training staff, if they know anything, they know probably more about this player's body, his physique, what it takes to get him ready than any other player on the team. So if they're directed to do that, and player feels that he can go, you know, when they when they took him out of the uh, previous game, he was one unhappy guy, you know, and, and he's ready to compete and good for him. And I hope he can have the kind of game that, that win or lose. The result is that we won't have to look back at it and say, well, if only if Mahomes had been healthy. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and it's going to be a great game, too. Uh, and I'm very excited for it. Um, you know, we have. I want to get back. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's stay on that game right now. Jonah Williams, left tackle. Alex Kappa, the right guard, both officially out for that Bengals yeah. Chiefs uh, AFC Championship game. This is according to Ben Baby, who follows the uh, Bengals for ESPN.com. That is two big pieces of their offensive line. Uh, Kansas City ranked 19th in quarterback pressure rate during the regular season. Joe Burrow, uh, and and I only bring this up because that dude in in the um, divisional playoff against Buffalo. I thought that offensive line was going to crumble against the Bills, and it did not happen. I was really impressed with that Cincinnati offensive line going up against a pretty talented Buffalo defensive line. 
and and they made it work running the football as well. Are we overrating the the appearance or the non-existent um, non-existence of both Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa in this game? Are, are we making too much of this? Seeing how good and how uh, big that the backups came up for the Bengals list this past week. Well, what makes a great team great, Bucky, is drafting the players that are ready when called upon. And uh, so the second-year player, Carmen, out of Clemson, this is a great player who left school early, went in the second round of the draft because they signed Kappa as a free agent. His path to playing has been blocked. Here's a starter for a lot of other teams in the NFL. And given the opportunity, he stepped up and played for it. And when you have a team that uh, in 2021 were just making the run for the Super Bowl in that draft and – they go offensive line early, you know, like great Al Davis said, build your offensive line first and good things will happen. That's exactly what we saw happen. And then sharpening, uh, sharpering a uh, more of a journeyman player, uh, he stepped up when called upon too. That's a great thing about a football team. There's 53 players on the roster and on the, every week, some of them don't even get a jersey, but they're there. They're there for the game. And those guys are at the ready, and that's uh, that's a tip of the cap to the the front office, a front office that uh, was chided years ago is not being a good drafting team. I, I think they are, and it's proving it uh, in the offensive line play uh, with this young uh, second year player out of Clemson. Yeah, and, and I remember too, like that was that was the big concern after last season. Oh, they got to protect Burrow. They got to protect Burrow. They went out and they drafted players. They signed players. Those players, um, some of them are not available this week, and they're still getting it done. So it, it talks about the depth that the front office was able to build and the way that the Bengals coaching staff coached them up as well. We'll get into more of that game coming up later on before we sign off tonight. I do want to get to this. The Rams have hired Mike LaFleur, the former OC for the New York Jets, as the Rams' new offensive coordinator, this according to Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Uh, this month is when the Jets let him go. Now, the Jets didn't really have a quarterback this season. They had a lot of other pieces. You know, you think about Brees Hall and and um, uh, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Tyler Conklin, Corey Davis. You know, all those players there, James Robinson, Michael Carter. Um, and and I think Mike LaFleur is, is a pretty talented guy. Obviously comes from from the McVay, um, you know, coaching tree, a good play caller. But I think McVay's probably going to handle the majority of the play calling or at least have a big say in what plays are going to be called in Los Angeles. Your thoughts on how this changes the Rams offense for next season, Farrell, if at all, with Mike LaFleur uh, as the OC? Well, Bucky, I think you might be on the right track there. You know, LaFleur's success and his stability as a coach um, it came with the 49ers when uh, he was he was there with Shanahan. And he's, he's only 36 years old, but he's been with four organizations. And you say he didn't have a quarterback. I say he had a quarterback that came off the bench cold and threw for 400 yards. So he's an unperforming offense. And you just mentioned a lot of players. I think there's a lot of good coaches that say, give me those players. I'll show you I can coach, and I'll show you that I can I can make those players play football. And it, it uh, I'm not particularly impressed. And it's it's a, uh, a merry-go-round of the same coaching hires and the same guys uh, year in, year out. Uh, I believe that uh, in loyalty and, and familiarity among coaches, but I also think that uh, you've got to shake it up and bring some real talent in. And, and so 
I think this was a comfortable hire for the Rams. And, you know, the, the Rams have been getting comfortable ever since the Super Bowl. And that comfort is a bit disconcerting, disconcerting when you look at the way the team looks on the field. So, no, I'm, I'm not thrilled with the choice. I agree with the things you have said, although unenthusiastically. Unenthusiastically. Okay, I get it. Well, that will do it for the unenthusiastic portion of the program tonight because we're very enthusiastic about our guests that, that we're bringing on tonight. You heard them uh, last year. This was before they won the $500,000 in the 2022 FFPC main event, probably about three or four weeks before we had them on. We wished them luck, and then sure enough, it happened. The HSFF curse uh, was broken as those guys appeared on the show, still won the main event. And then this year, doing the unthinkable, going back-to-back, and getting a million dollars this year for their uh, for their efforts. They go back to back. The first time ever this has happened in the FFPC main event. Just in those, with these two teams alone, cashed uh, 1.5 million plus. Please welcome back onto the program, ladies and gentlemen, the Go Bills trio. We have Don Barani, we have Sean Stutzman, and I believe we have Nick Costantino as well. Gentlemen, hey. welcome in and congratulations. Thank you so much. Appreciate thank you. you. Thank you, boys. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank hey. you. It's. It, I know you've done the you've done the stretch of podcasts uh, so far. This is like the media tour of being the million dollar <laughs> grand prize uh, winners right now, which is awesome. And you guys deserve it. You deserve everything you get because you pulled off uh, the unthinkable. So I want to get into it right now, Dom. First question is for you. At what point during the season was it? During the was it right after the draft? Was it during the regular season? At some point. Was it, um, you know, during the championship round, did you think that you were going to be able to have a shot at a million dollars and go back to back? I think we were excited coming out of the draft room, uh, doing the best we could with the draft slot there. It was a kind of a front running team during the season, but kind of really just flirting with the top hundred, never pushing top 20, top 15. It had been a solid team all year that I thought might have had a chance for some ceiling and some upside. But it wasn't until after week 15 when we scored 222 points that, I mean, I guess I was really Shake up that microphone, Baldy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, I mean, I, it was at sometime after week 15 when we, we put up the 222 points and we thought, wow, this team actually had a chance. And I, I think they, that was probably the first time during the year that really sunk in at all. Fantastic. Hey, Bonky, I'm going to direct my uh, first question to Sean because no other reason than he is my favorite of this triumph. You know, without that, uh, yeah, you know, without that German engineering and logic, the, these these guys, the, the, these guys are like a broken down Ferrari that doesn't get off the course, you know. So this, this is the guy I'm believing in. But no, you guys, when you came on the show, I was initially, I was impressed with you. I thought you were humble. I thought you complimented each other. Very, very much. And I like that commentary. We were excited after the draft. Most people are excited to draft. But you guys are excited after the draft. And you really have a passion for this business. You're great ambassadors for the FFPC. And congratulations for what you've done. Here we are a year later, back to back. So as a commissioner, I've watched partnerships. And they're very successful in our KFFSC, we had a, a, a duo that repeated 2013-2014 uh, for our championship. Uh, we have a noted uh, duo, uh, FBI, Larson and Petri, that are recent champions. Um, our, our champion from this past year is a solo player. 
But they're duos. They're, all the guys are successful are duos. Rarely have I seen three that are successful. So, uh, Sean, how do you keep it all together and whose voice gets heard? And, and you know, just kind of take us through it because this three-headed monster of success is, a, is an unusual thing. Well, firstly, Farrell, thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, I think the big, one of the biggest things for us, obviously, we've been friends. All three of us have been friends for about 20 years. And that really helps us, you know, first and foremost, we're friends. Um, the second thing is we do a lot of work. We do so much preparation ahead of time. You know, we work together constantly in terms of honing our decision-making process ahead of time, honing, you know, locking in on what how we feel about different player takes and having those not arguments, but discussions ahead of time. So when we walk into a draft, we're already very well prepared for what we're looking at. Yeah. But the biggest thing I think for us is we generally, we take one of the, one of the three of us and give them the lead on every draft. Meaning at the end of the day, if you have a strong take on a spot, you have the final say, you can make that decision uh, in that spot. And it helps make things easier and makes things go much more smoothly as we draft and go throughout the season. So, so Sean, just to clarify, because yeah. I know you guys had seven teams in, in the main event this year, but th those weren't the only fantasy football teams the three you guys own. Do you, do yeah. you kind of earmark each each league or like, okay, so this is going to be Nick's league where he gets Not the final How does that work? You know? So, yeah, ahead of time, we, we set it up. So, okay, so like okay. our first draft is going to be Nick's final say. Our second draft will be Dom's final say. The third draft is my final say, et cetera. So we know going in, okay, so this draft – you're going to have final say. And we know our draft position ahead of time, so we're able to strategize and build our uh, potential teams and our potential team builds ahead of time, knowing who's got final say, knowing what we want our strategy overall try to look like, and then so we can adapt really easily again as the draft goes. Like this draft, we, we had to adapt immediately because we couldn't have imagined Travis Kelsey falling to the 12th overall pick. So it, it changed our entire strategy going in right off the top because we ended up with Travis Kelsey there when we didn't right. expect to. Um, so, so Nick, I want to ask you this one, and this is something, and I feel bad because I have retold this story like three third hand, like three or four different times, both on air and off air, but I was listening to the, the draft sharks, deep end fantasy football podcast. And I know you guys are buddies with both, uh, Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst. You guys have done stuff together, drafted together, had, you know, draft parties together, what have you. Um, and Mike was saying that he was talking to you about that first week of the championship round where you guys had two spots I, and and correct me if I'm wrong if, if you know if I if I'm getting the details wrong but you had two spots for three players and the three players were Bam Knight Jarek McKinnon and Zay Jones and you were sort of deciding um, we have to bench one of these players can you do you remember this conversation that you shared with Mike why you guys went the way that you did and that you can share with us tonight Sure. First off, thanks off for having us. Uh, love the show. All right. So one one technicality on this. So we we played McKin We were playing McKinnon no matter what. So okay. really, the lineup decision that we had was we had the two Miami running backs. We had three spots to fill: our RB two and our two flexes. We had the two Miami two Miami running backs. We had Ramondre Stevenson, who was questionable. We had Zay Jones, and then we had Zonovan Knight. So. The first, the first thing that happened was Miami played on Saturday night, and Jeff Wilson was ruled out. So, must start. We were thinking was a good start. It was in Buffalo, uh, a night game, premium division matchup. 
in the cold weather. We thought Mustard was going to get a good load. He ended up getting 16 points, I think, that week. So that ended up being like a safe play. And with Ramondre Stevenson being injured, we thought we needed, um, you know, to play someone just in case he was ruled out. We didn't want to be stuck in a spot where we were playing someone we didn't actually want to play. So then Sunday comes around and Ramondre Stevenson was ruled okay to play. So we ended up playing him in our one flex. And then our last decision came down to Zay Jones versus Zonovan Knight. And we um, we went and took a, a peek at Darren Armani's, our good friend Darren Armani's site, Fantasy Mojo, for anyone who doesn't know who that is. Um, and we saw that Zonovan Knight was the most owned player in the tournament. So we thought that we could get leverage on the field being like a middle of the team pack coming in this year. Last year we entered in first place, so we didn't have to think about this stuff as much. But this year we tried to find some leverage on the field, and we thought that if we bench Donovan Knight, who was high-owned, and played a lower-owned guy like Zay Jones, we could get you know a boost if that game popped. And we just so happened to have CeeDee Lamb on this team too, who was facing Jacksonville week 15. So we had the bring back, and that game ended up going to overtime and finishing 40 to 34. So we had like the perfect game script for that. So that's that's basically the lineup decision for for that. And and that and that I think now you guys, Nick, I and I I could be wrong on this. You were in like the fifties, right? Between fifty and sixty overall. Is that accurate? Before we, that, we were one forty eighth for oh. the whole season. So whatever that was in the main event tournament, it was probably around seventieth or something. Like right, that. and you shot up the first. After yeah, that, that we had, yeah, we had 222 points that week, and we shot right up to first. Good, yeah. After you guys. yeah we Fair. were also uh, we were a Mahomes Kelsey team, which was also a really high owned combo. Yeah. So it's just thing of leverage, trying to figure out how your Mahomes Kelsey team is going to beat other yeah. Mahomes Kelsey right. teams. Of course, the way it worked out, like Kelsey wasn't exactly the guy you needed, but that was just like another factor as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Funky, I'm not even in my second question. I'm too impressed to focus. I can't even <laughs> focus on what I want to ask. The guys, are, you you know, I it, it's just I can't wait to 2023 season where I where I can see you guys do it again. It's going to add to the legend. You know, the, the Balky and I are big movie guys. Or we watch football movies. Uh, one with the perfect title for you guys. It's a Tom Cruise movie. I don't know why Tom Cruise gets all the great football movies, but his was very <laughs> accurate about high school football in Pennsylvania. It was called All the Right Moves, and that's what that's that's what I think your situation must be, and you just told us about one of them. It, legendary stuff, things you'll never forget, the things that you could be uh, 10 years from now in Vegas and will make up one of your war stories. What's one or two of them? you can share with it. And, you know, I guess I'll ask Dom just because he deserves a little equal time from me, but you know, I I think this, this year's experience was a lot different than last year's. I I think there was a lot of more unheralded or unsexy plays during the year that added five, 10 points to a week here and there that really helped out this team. The devil was really in the details, trying to manage a team that wasn't perfect, that, Drafted Allen Robinson, what, 37th overall, Canaries Tony, Sky Moore. There was a lot of those players at the end of your bids, even if you don't get your top choices, being thoughtful about those kind of guys. I mean, Zay Jones right after week one, Greg Dortch for very cheap, Josh Reynolds for very cheap, all provided us like different sparks while this team was kind of trying to find its way. 
we were trying to put all the pieces together to even give ourselves a shot at a 200 point week or two 200 point weeks down the stretch, which is kind of what you need to actually win this thing. And yeah, it's hard. And you can, have a great te- you can have a great team that scores 125 in week 15 and be out. Right. It's just part of the game. It's what we sign up for. But those little pieces along the way that help you get to nine and three, help you get to, you know, a top 3% or so team into the league playoffs, get that auto bid. So, you know, nothing, nothing bad happens to week 13, 14. Those little steps along the way, like if we miss something as small as maybe Josh Reynolds for three weeks, maybe we don't get the two seed. This team didn't win week 13 and 14. I didn't even get my third place prize. (laughs) I think we were three points away from the one seed. It was very, very close. But, yeah, yeah, we lost in two weeks. So it's like if you messed up along the way, this team doesn't even get into a position where week 15 matters. So there's there's a lot of details, and it's not just the – the top end, the, the, the big stories, like the, like the Bam Knight story. And you're right, we'll tell it in Vegas forever. Um, <laughs> but there's little pieces along the way to help you get there. You know, it's funny about this, and, and I didn't I didn't plug your guys' Twitter, but Sean is on Twitter at Sean underscore Stutzman. Uh, Nick is on Twitter at underscore Nick Koss. That's Nick C-O-S. But Dom, your Twitter at FF underscore Go Bills. So I, I don't remember um, – if I saw it late Monday night or if I saw it early Tuesday morning, but after the the week one of the championship round, which would have been right after week uh, 15, I was actually on um, the internet and I, I was going on Twitter for some other, like something else. Wasn't, wasn't actually like going to go check out, you know, anything on there, but your tweet um, was the top of my Twitter feed. And I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something like, like I can't, I can't believe we're in the spot here two years in a row. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! They're in first place in the main event after the first week of the champion. I was just blown away. So then I had to go on the FFPC website. I looked it up. I'm like, son of a gun! This is unbelievable that I'm actually seeing. And then, and we we always say too, like it's so rare to hold a lead in, in, in the championship round through all three weeks, but you guys did that as well this year, which I think is, is incredibly uh, impressive as well. So um, your, your tweet, it's, it's like burned into my mind. I, I, I'll never forget that. When I saw that tweet, it was just, it shocked me. Um, Sean, I want to uh, throw this one to you. You talked about um, the, uh, the, the Kelsey, or you guys talked about the Kelsey uh, Mahomes stack, right? And I don't want to necessarily say it has to be Kelsey Mahomes, but if somebody's trying to win a million bucks, in the FFPC main event, does it behoove you to try to get a high-end stack like that? You know, whether it's Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, whether it's, you know, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen or, you know, whoever it is. I don't know. I didn't look at the rest of your teams. I don't know if you guys were actively trying to do that in your leagues, but knowing that this, you know, helped you guys come through uh, this year to win the million bucks, is that something that you would tell other FFPC owners? Like, look, you're going to want to stack for those last three weeks. Yeah, I, I generally would. I think it's very important. I think because of the almost daily fantasy sports nature of weeks 15 through 17 of the chase, I think it's so important to be getting high ceiling plays. And the highest ceiling plays you can get are generally going to be stacks in high scoring games. Getting a wide receiver and a quarterback that the wide receiver has two, three touchdowns and you end up getting you know, 70 points, 75, 80 points from two players is just such a difference maker in those situations. I think it's very important to go after that ceiling. I mean, most of our teams this year that we drafted were stacked in some way, shape, or form, whether it was our, you know, we had a team with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. 
we had a Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow team. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't go all the way. That would have been fun uh, all the last year. But, you know, I think in general, you want to have those kind of high ceiling, high upside plays for the chase because it is such a DFS type of situation. I think you have to be chasing that ceiling to win the million dollars. Um, we're talking with the uh, Go Bills trio here, the Marv Levy trio. What do you guys prefer? Is it Go Bills or Marv Levy? What are we doing here? I think Go Bills is probably the way we change things Bills. up a little bit. Okay, we changed yeah. it up a little bit this year and named our teams after a bunch of Bills legends. So all of our teams are different Bills legends. But Go Bills, I think, is is what I'm, we go I'm, with overall. Yeah, we're safe being known as the Go Bills boys. Go Bills. Okay, yeah. perfect. I like that. It just it it it's got a great ring to it too uh, as well. So so Nick, um, I don't know if you had looked at this um, in in your celebration um, over the past you know month or whatever it's been. Did you look at this team specifically and then the team last year specifically that won the whole thing? Did you look for any angles, like any similarities, like, oh, we applied this strategy to both these teams. Oh, we did this in both the drafts. Oh, we did this in, in free agency. You know, were there any similarities there that that you're like, wow, I didn't even realize we did that on both teams. We got to make sure we're doing this going forward. Honestly, these two, these teams, like the team from last year and the team from this year couldn't have been any different. <laughs> last year the team the lineup set itself this year we missed on our third and fourth round pick well Leonard Fournette wasn't like an actual miss but like he was like sort of like a miss but the the difference between this team and last year's we actually had to our two flexes we had to figure out every single week um it, it wasn't the same option I feel like any week we were just constantly rotating based on matchups so as far as like it, the to, to me, these teams couldn't have been any different. We had to actually manage our team to this championship, whereas last year we won it on draft day. Like we could have done a lot of things and probably won last year, but this year the team wasn't quite like that. So um, as far as from a strategic standpoint, I would say the only thing that we did that was the same was our process coming into the season as far as how we work together to formulate our rankings and our tiers and our process to get ready for the draft. I don't think we had like any one strategy we wanted to deploy as far as like no running back or four running back or like we were just depending on what draft pick we had adjusting to how it went and just making sure that we were prepared for the worst case scenario for every pick that we had. We like to make sure that we're ready for every worst case scenario so that we're never in an oh shit spot when we're on the clock with a minute trying to figure out who, who we want because we've already talked through all those scenarios beforehand. So that, that helps us a lot. So, and I guess that like maybe the strategy changes depending upon what your what slot you're drafting. From oh, yeah. there, but the process yeah. is very similar, right? Yeah. Every draft pick has a different strategy to it. And it all depends on how the room falls because every room is different. So mm -hmm. you have to have a strategy built in for pretty much any strategy. Dom, uh, let's throw it back to you. Now, you, I believe, I think you said this earlier. This was, you drafted this team from the 12 spot, right? Yep. Okay. So this is from the 12 spot. What did you guys specifically talk about before this draft, which you, you drafted live at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas? Um, what did you guys talk about? Like, okay, guys, we got the 12. Everybody else is going to have a turn to pick before it gets to us. We kind of got to roll with the punches with our first two picks. What did you kind of foresee was going to happen throughout the draft? Or what did you guys plan on? Was this the optimal, like, you know, sort of like, oh, my God, I can't believe it fell this way. Every single time we needed somebody to follow us, it fell to us. Or were you were you dealt some some snipes along the way where you're like, 
you're going to take this guy, he goes a pick before, and then you got to roll with the punches. Can you kind of take us through the, the draft process? Sure. So we had plenty of 11 and 12 overall picks. So we're pretty familiar with the spot. PPR or time premium PPR in particular, the three, four turn could get pretty hairy for wide receivers there where at the one, two turn, having one receiver this year seemed to be the safest way you could play it just because there was a pretty big inflection point where if your room was receiver heavy early, that three, four turn was not pretty. It was not pretty in this draft. So I won't say everything went right. That being said, Kelsey obviously fell to us. The other like really big variable in these drafts, I think is how early the quarterbacks end up going. Um, I think they're going to go even earlier next year. Um, Kind of a best ball phenomenon creeping in to redraft, but you can get on these rooms where Josh Allen goes in the early fourth round that changes the whole texture of quarterbacks and where they go. We were a little worried about if there was an early quarterback run from the 12, you can get into a sticky spot at three, four and five, six. Now this draft ended up being a late quarterback, like late first quarterback. Josh went early fifth. Holmes fell to us at that turn there. So that was really advantageous, but we knew ahead of time that there was both those sec- that second and third turn could be really, really bad spots. So it was a lot of like worst case scenario, uh, like lineup structure wise. Like what, what do you want to do to kind of give yourself the best chance to not get totally boxed out? Because those were like the two biggest inflection points we saw from the 12. Nick, just to uh, go back to something you said earlier, did you say you guys played matchups more with, with this, with this team than you did in 2021? Yeah, we, we almost had no lineup decisions last year, whereas this year, right. every week we had lineup decisions. Poor, Michael, poor Michael Pittman. Yeah, in 2021. We couldn't even play him. Our four yeah. receivers last year were Debo, Chase, Cup, and uh, Tyreek. Tyreek, yeah. It's a good it's a good problem to have. That There's is a no good way problem. You can bench any but, of those guys, yeah. And I'll tell you this, I don't think Michael Pittman's lost any sleep over it. So I'm gonna keep very clear on that. He's 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 you guys and him are cool, uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Sean, uh let, let's throw this back to you um because it was a really unique situation uh, in week 17 um with how that Monday night game was you know en- ended up going. Some people in in fantasy football they have an hour long sweat. Sometimes it's it's a day long sweat, sometimes it's just a partial day sweat. But you guys essentially had the better part of a of a week long sweat for this, trying to figure out what the NFL was going to do. Are they going to play the game? Are they not going to play the game? Can you kind of take us what what would that was like for you? The feelings you had, the emotions that you had, and sort of like how you got up every day and functioned with with that not at the forefront of your mind. Uh, not well. Um, no, it was. <laughs> t- I mean, it was tough because not only were we dealing, but we're Bills fans, so we're sitting there watching that game on Monday night. We watch Hamlin collapse we watch that happen live and like that alone is gut-wrenching because you don't know we don't know what's going on so now now on top of the stress from you know the highest stakes fantasy football league we've ever been in which is crazy to say and then we we also see this happen which is i mean you can't really put into words how how you know tough that is to watch so now you're dealing with that for i mean for a few days i mean thankfully for us i think we kind of understood the way that the FFBC runs and the way their rules work indicated that if the game doesn't take place during week 17 proper, those points were not going to count. So once we got past the idea that the game was going to be made up within 48 hours, I think we generally had 
an a comfortable idea that the game was not going to count um, because the NFL was not going to play it during week 17. And based on the rules that FFPC had in place, we kind of had an inkling that that was going to be how it would go. Um, but, you know, and then thankfully on Thursday, we were given some, you know, we were given the information. And obviously the, the fact that Hamlin was okay and is okay is such a huge, I mean, it takes such a weight off of it. It takes, it gives, not only do you have the joy of him being healthy and good, but now you have the joy of winning this this massive tournament for the second year in a row. So it was a culmination of feelings. It was pretty emotional at that point. But you know, it was uh, yeah. It ended up it ended up working out very well, obviously. So. Well, and so so talking about that joy, Nick. So once the results, you know, became, I, I know Sean said like you had an inkling and you kind of knew where it was going, and I think a lot of people did. But Nick, once it became officially official that you guys had gone back to back, that you and Dom and Sean <laughs> were going to divvy up a million bucks. What, how did you guys celebrate? What did you do? What was the first thing you did? Take, take us through that process when you knew locked in you were going to get that million bucks. Yeah, I mean, my answer is sort of echoing what Sean just said. It, it, it was sort of we couldn't really celebrate because we were waiting that whole week to see if Hamlin was okay. So, right. And, and by the time we found out, Dom, Dom was, Dom was in town and he left like that weekend. So, we, we as a group didn't really even get a chance to come together and, quote unquote, you know, oh, I, it just, we were just waiting for news on Hamlin all week and it, we, we didn't really get the chance to get together, but yeah. So remind me, Dom, you live out in Colorado, right? Yeah. I moved to Fort Collins Thanksgiving 21. So I've been out here for what, a year and a half now. So, so you're a Bills fan yet you have won the main event every single year you've been living in Fort Collins, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's don't move whatever you do. Until the streak is broken, you got to stay out in Fort Collins. Um, okay, so so I, I guess the, the the question is, so now now that you know we obviously saw Hamlin um, in that in that Bengals game, um, you know up in the booth, he's still got a long way to go, obviously, but the 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 recovery that he has made has been nothing short of miraculous so far. It, have you guys, so you guys have not been together since, uh, you know, since Dom had, had went back to, to, to Fort Collins um, after week 17, do you guys have something in the works? I know the ship chasing guys were talking about, you know, some big uh, pizza party, a, a million dollar <laughs> pizza, a $3 million pizza party, whatever it was. It, uh, what's, what's in the plans for the celebration, Nick, when you guys do get together? Man, that's a good question. The pizza party sounds pretty good to, to me. I think, yeah, maybe in Vegas we'll we'll all get together and maybe maybe do something fun. That sounds. Oh, like I got I got a couple ideas brewing in my head. I'm gonna drag. <laughs> I was gonna say. Like, I'm gonna drag both these guys out for uh, some sort of bachelor party adjacent type activity. Yeah, there we go. Oh, so yeah, we've been talking about that. Dangerous in celebration. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So so I, I want to ask you guys, and I don't know if you have, um. Uh, drafted any teams yet but i know you know you guys are pros you you, you kind of get it you know have the, the lay of the land um for a, as much as anybody does who's drafting right now here on january 27th 2023 for the 2023 season um if i could go around the table um and i'm gonna nick i'm gonna go to you first on this one sean i want you to pipe in after nick and then dom i want to get yours but can you give us a player that you already are thinking like oh you know what this is a guy i really want to target this year and and another player that that you're probably going to fade. I know ADP really isn't set yet, but just sort of general, generally speaking, players that you think you will be on, players you think you'll be out on. Nick, go ahead. 
yeah, I'll start with my fade. This was someone that that uh, helped people get pretty far this year and then kind of crumbled late. His name's Josh Jacobs. I feel like his price in the second round for for his type of profile is just going to leave people wanting more. I think he's better suited to be more in like the fifth, sixth, seventh round. And I think that he's going to go a few rounds earlier than he's supposed to. Um, there, I think there's just going to be other guys in the second round that are going to be more appealing than that. And then for the, for, I'll give you two players that I think are interesting for next year and they play on the same team right now, both San Francisco quarterbacks. I think mm. you could take both of them. I don't think you have to focus on taking one. You could take one sometimes and the other sometimes, and you might walk into two different starting quarterbacks if they end up winning the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl. I've got to, if they go to the Super Bowl, Purdy will probably be the guy next year. And then they might trade Lance. I don't think they can afford to let him sit. Um, the longer they let him sit, the less they're going to get for him. So I think you can stumble upon two quarterbacks by just targeting both of them. Um, I, I To point out what um, what uh, Nick is saying, 206 is the current ADP in the uh, never-too-early best ball tournament for the FFPC right now. Jacobs is going as the ninth running back off the board, right behind Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, right ahead of Travis Etienne and Nick Chubb. Uh, Sean, can you give us a couple of players, uh, one that you're fading, one that you're targeting? Uh, my big fade for this year is going to be Joe Mixon. I think you look at the efficiency. Uh, the opportunity was outrageous this year. He had more opportunity this year than – like I, it was unbelievable, the green zone targets he had, the high-value touches – and he just did nothing with them. He had one big blow-up game where he had four touchdowns, and that was it. And it was just I, – I don't buy it. I think he ends up in a timeshare potentially next year or even like maybe in like a Leonard Fournette. I'll give Nick some credit for this. He gave him through that idea. in a Leonard Fournette type situation where he just doesn't see enough opportunity to make, make it uh, hay in the offense. Um, as for a value that I really like, I love Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams is a monster. And he is going – I mean, he's only gone in one of these never-too-early drafts, but he went in the eighth round, which to me is outrageous for his talent level and what his ceiling could be. So he would be a guy that I would be absolutely firing every bullet that I could to get at that price. Unbelievable to me. Uh, Joe Mixon right now, 305 in the never-too-early best ball tournament. Travis Etienne, Nick Chubb right ahead of him. Uh, DeAndre Swift, Ramondre uh, Stevenson are the running backs behind Joe Mixon. Running back 12 at the 305. Dom, what do you have for us? Quick addendum. Leonard Fournette is a fun part of that Week 15 story, too. We all had him as a sit, but if you probably looked at most people's rankings, he probably was one of our flexes. But we all agree. It was like Wednesday. We all agreed. Our Consensus. We don't want to play Fortnite. He has no ceiling this week. Great. Move on. Uh, fun addendum. Um, I'd say my fade right now is Debo Samuel. I think we're still a little too high on talent and not really focused enough around the greater San Francisco situation. And not to say that he's not a, an exciting and great player. I just think um, he'll still end up going too early this year. And I'll give more of a tactical early draft answer rather than a, a really good player take at this point um unsexy players are going way too late like a tyler boyd or a kj osborne or maybe like a hunter renfro are going way too late because they didn't have like amazing seasons and people are much more excited about other players and these drafts that happen right after the season are more of carryovers from this year's thoughts 
than like applicable to like what it's actually going to look like in summer. So I'd say like some boring players you can get for really good value. A less boring, uh, someone I'm definitely targeting still next year uh, is Christian Kirk for the Jaguars. I think there's a lot of um, really good like macro advantages for the Jags and they could, I'm sure they will be a highly discussed like breakout in the mold of the Lions or the Bengals yeah. or, you know, I guess kind of the 49ers two years ago too. Like I suspect they will be talked about a lot as a potentially very fun very fantasy-friendly offense. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that, too. And, and that's something I've been saying the last few weeks. Like, look out for the Jags um, as far as where they're going to go in drafts next year because Lawrence was on a tear at the end of the regular season. Christian Kirk, obviously a beneficiary of that. Christian Kirk, wide receiver 29 right now in the never-too-early best ball tournament. Uh, he is going at the 6-12 right behind Mike Evans and Terry McLaurin right ahead of Brandon Ayuk and Cortland Sutton. And the fade from uh, Dom, you heard it, was Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, wide receiver 13 at the 310, right behind Garrett Wilson, right ahead of Devontae Smith. Um, last question here for you, and and Dom, I, we'll, we'll go reverse order. We'll go Dom, Sean, Nick on this one. Obviously, um, we, we've talked about some ideas, the bachelor party, Vegas, what have you. But you guys, you know, in addition to the million bucks this year, you won 500000 last year. So I want to hear what did you do with the money last year and then what are the plans this year? I want specific stuff. I don't want to hear boring stuff like, oh, you know, I bought a new house, Balky. Oh, I'm thinking about buying this car. You know, oh, we're going to go on a vacation. I want concrete stuff. I want to know how many <laughs> diamond-encrusted necklaces you bought. I want to know, like, like how big was the rolls? Like, I want everything here. I want hardcore details. <laughs> And if you don't want to provide that, that's okay. Just tell me what you did spend the money on and what you plan to spend the money on. Dom, you can go first. Well, I bought a house like seven weeks before I won the main event last year. So <laughs> that did actually happen. Right. And, you know, I have a nice like renovated bathroom, laundry room area that we did like right away when we got in. I'll say like the one luxury adjacent purchase I made my entire life, I always thought one of the best investments you can make is a nice bed. You spend so much of your life laying in bed, you're not getting any younger. So I bought top of the line, sleep number goes up and it goes down. It heats my feet. It's, I don't regret a second of it. Although I will say when you travel and you go to a hotel, you feel it more <laughs> after you sleep on a nice bed most nights. One unintended consequence, nothing in this world comes easy. That was like my one big like luxury purchase. I guess. I like it. I, it makes sense. Third of your life, you're in bed. It makes it makes perfect sense to do that. What about you, Sean? Well, ironically, I actually uh, bought a brand new car today. Oh, <laughs> um, well, believe okay. it or not. Give us the details. What, 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 so what I bought a new CRV, Honda CRV. Okay. Um, I, I used to sell cars before I uh, got deep into the fantasy hole. I, I sold cars um, locally and sold Hondas. And I it was time. My, my car, I had a 2013 Kia Optima that was... 120,000 miles or so. So it was time to move on. And so I got a brand new CRV today, actually. <laughs> so I just brought it home today. Um, outside of that, I bought a nice surround sound system for my apartment, subwoofer <laughs> Bose. So I get to why I get them. I created my own little home theater uh, here at home that I can uh, watch all my movies with. And your neighbors are loving it, I'm sure. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure they're ecstatic. <laughs> <I'm gonna tell laughs> you. Nick, what about you, man? Man, I'd have to say my favorite thing that I bought would be this nice luxurious this nice chair right here it's got, it's got a nice lever it, it allows my chair to go up it lets it recline i thought uh, you were going to say the puppy i oh, thought you were going to bring lady on the screen oh. too yeah i could have brought my dog out but I, I love my new computer chair uh 
<laughs> yeah, I turned my extra bedroom into an office. So, uh, well, Bulky, you can tell we're we're absolute, you know, party animals. I didn't have a dog last year, so I finally uh, got myself a dog again, and that feels that feels good. I, you know, I, I, I always compare it to like you guys ever see the the remake of the movie Italian Job with Mark Wahlberg and yeah. Mo Steph or whatever. So like right at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, just tune out <laughs> for the next thirty seconds. But like you know, Mo Steph buys a house with a bunch of um, in the south of Spain with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of first editions and a room just for his shoes. Um, uh, Jason Statham gets the the Aston Martin or whatever. Um, Seth Green gets the the stereo so loud that it blows a woman's clothes off. Like, and I'll tell you, that has ruined this question for me. Every time I get people on, they like say, "What'd you do with the money? What'd you do with the money?" I'm always comparing it to that, and it's like, ah, you know, I bought a car, I bought a house, went on vacation, went to Disney World, whatever. And it's like never like really nobody wants to buy a stereo that blows a woman's clothes off. What have we come to as far as creativity goes? But that's okay. Uh, it's your money. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me know. I, I do I, I lied. I want to ask one more question because we got conference championship this this weekend. I know you guys are huge Bills fans. Your Bills didn't make it there. Hopefully the million dollars softens that blow. Uh, we'll go around uh, one more time. Give us the Super Bowl 57 matchup. Who's it going to be? Uh, Nick, we'll go to you first. I'm going to go ahead and say Cincy Philly. I think Cincy Philly. Joe, yeah, Joe Burrow is just a bad man. I think he's just going to lead him past the Chiefs again. Mahomes is going to be a little bit limited, I think, with that ankle injury. As far as his running, and I think that'll be enough to for Kansas City to not be able to match him. And Philly is just they're they're an animal. They're, uh, they're not weak anywhere. Right. I, mm -hmm. San Fran could beat them because they're coming in hot, but I think I think Purdy's going to have a tougher time against them. And I, I don't think they'll have answers for their offense. Uh, Sean, what about you? You are you on the uh, Cincy Philly bandwagon here? I am. I think it's pretty clear cut. I, I since he since he Kansas City is interesting. That game I think could go either way, but I do think Burrow is the difference maker there. I think he's um, on his way to being the best quarterback in the league, even with what Mahomes and Allen are capable of. I think that the consistency of Burrow reminds me of. I hate this comparison, but it reminds me of Brady so much. Um, and then for the for Philly, their offensive line and their defensive line are outrageously good. It is so unbelievable to watch those two units play football and dominate the front every single snap of every game they play. It, it just it would shock it would honestly shock me if any team that they play in the in either game beats them. I I fully expect the Eagles to maybe not walk their way to the Super Bowl championship, but I don't think it's going to be that difficult. I honestly Dom is don't. is it unanimous here, Cincy Philly? No, I have Philly over Kansas City. Um, oh, okay. Kansas City, Cincinnati will be an all-time game, hoping for the best. Um, I think Mahomes gets his first strike on Burrow, and I just agree with Sean on his assessment of the Eagles being a complete team. And uh, I had I had Bills Eagles before the season, so I'm happy to kind of see the Eagles this far. I think the Eagles. If I'm do a hot take, I'll say the Eagles dominate San Francisco. Mm, yeah, and and we'll see. Like with with Brock Purdy. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. Every He's got the microscope above him every single game, and, and I'll be definitely interested to see that. For anybody who cares about my opinion, all the viewers out there, I will tell you this. Before the playoffs started, I of all the, the, the playoff challenges that I was in, everything I filled out, like local leagues and stuff, I, I all based it on a 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl. I'm sticking to that right now, even though I want to say Cincy and Philly. I'm not going to officially. <laughs> I'm going to say San Francisco and uh, Kansas City. And officially, if you want to follow the back-to-back -back winners on Twitter, 
at FF underscore Go Bills is Dom, uh, at Nick Koss, uh, N-I-C underscore uh, N-I-C-K-C-O-S is Nick. And then, of course, Sean on Twitter at Sean underscore Stutzman. That's Sean, S-E-A-N underscore S-T-U-T-Z-M-A-N. Guys, what a ride it's been. I'm sure that you will do many more podcasts and people are going to want to pick your brains. Uh, for the first time ever, we have a back-to-back champion in the FFPC main event, and it's you three. Kudos to you. Congratulations. You guys deserve it. And thank you so much for coming on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour to tell us how you made it happen. Thanks again for thank having us. Thank you so much for having us, Marky. We'll Absolutely. See you in Vegas. Absolutely. I will see you guys there. Yes. And Farrell gives his best. Um, by the way, uh, yes. so his battery is running low, so he couldn't uh, pop back on. But he did. He started watching the show. And, Sean, he said he's actually renting a CRV in Vegas right now, and he's loving it. So good. there you go. Love to hear it. You got, you got the Farrell Elliott stamp of approval. Appreciate it, Love guys. It. Be good. We will see you guys soon. Thank see you, Monkey. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Dom Verani. That was Nick Costantino. And that was Sean Stutzman. The Bills, Go Bills trio that won the FFPC main event. $1 million grand prize this year. They won the $500,000 grand prize last year. And I think the, the, the things that we can take away from, from what they've said tonight, number one, um, th- this is, it takes work. I mean, you got to put in the work, do the homework. but even when you do that, you still have to rely on a certain amount of luck. It, it's uh, what is Joe Bryant? Um, I think it's Joe Bryant for football guy says this all the time. It is a, or maybe it's Cecil Lamy. I can't remember. I get my football guys mixed up. It is an oblong ball that bounces weird. You're going to have to have the bounces go your way and you're going to have to get lucky with, with a few calls, which I think those guys said they did, but they also said, you know, we put in a, a lot of time and a lot of effort into this and they really outworked. Um, I don't want to say outworked, but, they get they went from you know 70th or whatever it was after um the regular season to go all the way up to first place and kept that lead uh over everybody else in the championship round for two more weeks. So incredible stuff there. And uh I, I have no doubt. Now they'll tell you that there's no chance of a three-peat. I say there's a non-zero chance of any of everything. So if you see them three-peat it next year. Uh, don't be shocked uh, at all if it does happen. The Go Bills trio joining us here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show tonight. Okay, so I already said Farrell is out uh, for the rest of the program tonight. He will rejoin me next week. He is uh, obviously busy uh, making phone calls and and doing everything out in Las Vegas for that East-West Shrine game, which is going on. I misspoke. It's on Thursday uh, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern is the game. The practice is going on. Uh, right now and and Farrell definitely doing some scouting he'll bring that scouting expertise when we start getting into uh the dynasty portion of these uh episodes coming up here uh over the next month or two as well as the the never too early best ball tournament analysis which you can sign up for right now at myffpc.com don't forget about uh the superflex uh the never too early superflex a best ball tournament going on the classic never too early 125 dollars to enter $25,000 grand prize the superflex $35 to enter $5,000 grand prize. And if you just want to play in a closed 12 team league, you can do that as well. Plenty of those going on. They start at five bucks and check out all the great deals we have on dynasty orphan squads as well. Myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale is where you can check that out. Pick up a few dynasty teams and play fantasy football 365 days a year. Want to thank Don Barani. I want to thank uh, Nick Costantino, Sean Stutzman, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Rice, and of course, each and every one of you. Um, I Like I said, we will be live next Friday at, uh, at 10, 9 central. Um, and don't forget to watch, if, if you like the, the content that you see on this show, don't forget to check out the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network app. We go live every Thursday at 7, 6 central for two hours. It's, it's, 
it's crafted content for the FFPC player. I've always bring in some, some great co-hosts on that. This past week we had, uh, last night, uh, in fact, on the, um, on the uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, uh, why am I spacing on who, who did I have last night? I can't believe I can't remember this. It was such a good guest. Oh, Theo Greminger, the OG Fantasy. Uh, from the GOAT District and Player Profiler, he came on. We were, you know, he does the the hard way draft every year with guys like, you know, Austin Martin, Davis Maddock, Todd Burrows, uh, Abib Agbatoba, the back-to-back football guys winner. Um, and uh, I wanted to get through the whole draft because, well, you know, at least half the draft because they were about halfway through. We spent an hour on it. We only got through five rounds. So it, he is so much fun uh, to talk to about that. And, and especially if you're looking for analysis on 2023 drafts, this is the place to come. Check out the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show only on the Better Sports Network app, which is free in the App Store and Google Play. 7-6 Central every Thursday. You can start drafting with the FFPC at myffpc.com. I think I gave you the quick and dirty there. Uh, checking out the both the best ball tournaments we have going on. And, of course, the Dynasty Orphans is where you uh, can pick up some more teams and uh, rise them or make them raise up to domination here in 2023. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, youtube.com slash Fantasy if you are listening to this. Um, but if you are watching it, uh, just uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel, comment, share, and get notified. That's how we bring on great guests like back-to-back FFPC main event champions. Um, and the content gets better, and we get to produce more as well. Obviously, Aiden LaCorey and, and Dave Tripoli do a great job during the season as well. And uh, we'll get some live draft analysis uh, from those guys throughout the season as we push forward into the 2023 season. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching tonight. Really appreciate it. Your conference championship weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Yeah, one other thing I should mention too, and and I, I do I, I feel like this kind of gets lost in the wash, especially now that the Bills are out of the playoffs. But we're really thankful at the FFPC that uh, Demar Hamlin is is recovering and definitely on the path. Uh, to full recovery. Uh, it was awesome to see him at that Bills-Bengals game this past week. And uh, very excited for the conference championship weekend as well. I, If you are in the divisional playoff challenge or the world-famous FFPC playoff challenge or either of the football guys' playoff challenges, I hope the ball bounces your way this weekend as we'll be awarding a $500,000 grand prize in that world-famous challenge coming up in about three weeks here. Only three games left in the fantasy season, but that doesn't mean the fun ends. We do this show 360, well, we don't do it 365 days a year, but we do it 52 weeks a year. So we'll have fresh content for you, especially if you want to draft early, which I encourage you to do. Uh, Fantasy football is fun. Why not have fun all year round? Thanks so much, everybody. Enjoy the games on Sunday. I'm Eric Falkman. We'll talk to you again next week.